so faithful. You've been so true. You've been there again and again and again. Never left us, never forsaken us. Your grace has always been sufficient for us. And we love you and we praise you. And we thank you, Lord. No one's ever been as good to us as you have. No one's ever been as kind, compassionate, faithful to us as you have. And Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. Lord, we pray this day, give us ears to hear and hearts to receive your word. This day, give us a faith that is ready to respond to your word and press closer to you than we've ever been before. In Jesus' name and all God's people said. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Amen. So good to be here this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, Thank everyone for your prayers. I took a week off. Um, had a little heart problem and nothing. Um, God, the prayers of the saints and the pacemaker couldn't help. So anyway, it, um, so, so we thank the Lord for another day to serve him. Amen? Amen. I thank you so much for your prayers and your cards. I, you, I, I know they make a big difference and I do greatly appreciate them. Amen. Children, you are now dismissed to Children's Church. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't God good? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. There they go. All right. There they go. Boom. That blonde hair. My boys had blonde hair like that when they were little. They had that. They had that blonde hair. Amen. Praise the Lord. There's a shepherd taking her little sheep over to children's church. Amen. Again, so good to be with you this morning. Again, I thank you so much for your prayers and kind cards and good words of encouragement. God is so good to us. Um, great is his faithfulness. Amen? Great is his faithfulness. All right. Had a wonderful Father's Day service. Who would have known? Couldn't get out of bed on Monday. And then when I did get out of bed, I didn't stay upright too long. And, um, but God is so good. So this morning... We want to look at Luke's Gospel, chapter number 7. And, you know, we're so thankful with this 4th of July. We're thankful to live in a, this great country. Amen? We, we do count it a privilege. There's a whole lot of other places in the world you could have been born. And visit a few of them, and you'll thank the Lord that you were born right here at this time. And So we, we thank God. We thank God for this wonderful country. And, and we do pray for it. And we do try to do our best to be salt and light in it so that God's smile will abide upon it. Amen? But what I want to do this morning is I want to take that, that joy and the thankfulness of freedom in the natural, and I want to look at it from the spiritual. And we want to look at the freedom we have that comes through the forgiveness that comes in Jesus Christ and His shed blood. That we want to be a people that as we appreciate and celebrate the great freedoms we have in the natural as being part of this wonderful country, we want to be quick to honor and praise the Lord for the freedoms that we have through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Free from that condemnation, accusation. The blood has set us free. So we want to look at that this morning. So if you have your Bibles, Luke 7, and look at verse 36. We'll start there. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And the Bible says, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating 
at the Pharisee's house. So she came there and stood with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were really a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman is touching him, that she's a sinner. And Jesus answered, Simon, I've got something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Jesus said two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. A denarii is about a day's wage, so about a a year and a half's worth of pay, a month and a half's worth of pay. Verse 42, Jesus said, neither of them had money to pay it back. Verse 42 is a key verse in this parable. Neither. They were both bankrupt. So he forgave the debts of both of them. Oh, the grace of God. Now which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one that had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said, Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss of greeting, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. She's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Wow. Then the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the women, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. I'm going to talk this morning about the parable of two debtors. The parable of two debtors or appreciating the forgiveness we have. Appreciating the forgiveness we have. You know, there are three miracles that are recorded in Luke's seventh chapter of Luke here. There's that great miracle where he heals the centurion's servant. Remember that? Jesus said, great faith is the centurion. said, listen, I'm not even worthy to have you come. Just speak the word. Isn't that wonderful? He can just speak the word and heal you. You can be watching this at home or at the beach, and Jesus can heal you right where you're at. If you'll reach out in faith, he can touch you with his power right where you're at. There's no distance in prayer. There's no distance in the power of God. And there's that first miracle. He just spoke the word, and he was healed. But secondly, there was a greater miracle. Remember that one, Jesus, he raised a young man from the dead. He interrupted a funeral. Man, talk about Jesus and interruptions, right? He interrupts funerals. Picture you and I. We were going the wrong way at one time. Dead in our sins, amen? But Jesus stepped in and woke us up and turned us around. And we thank him for it. There was a great miracle, a greater miracle, but then the greatest miracle. Greatest miracle of all, the forgiveness and the restoring of a sinful woman. Back to a right place and standing with God. That's the greatest miracle. You see, the saving of a lost sinner is the greatest miracle that God ever performs. It meets the greatest need. Let's face it, God can heal our bodies, but sooner or later, eh? Sooner or later. But salvation lasts for eternity and forever and forever. Forgiveness produces the greatest results because it changes lives to the glory of God. I've seen people healed by God's power. 
just to go off and live selfish, sinful lives afterwards. I've seen God see their children healed miraculously just to never darken a church again. But when someone is saved, truly born from above, that's the greatest miracle. That's a miracle that lasts. Can you say amen? But most of all, forgiveness requires, it just doesn't meet just the greatest needs or bring the greatest results, but it requires the greatest price. Healing and other miracles and mighty works. Just a word, and it happened. Just an expression, a release of his power, a touch of his power, and there it was. But in order to forgive you and I, in order to make us right and to redeem us, to restore us, it cost God the death of his only begotten son on that cross. The agony of separation, the receiving of divine judgment upon the sinless son of God. Oh, yes, salvation costs the most. And I'm so glad that God paid it for me and God paid it for you. Can you say amen? Now, this story revolves around three people. There's Jesus. There is a Pharisee by the name of Simon. And there's a sinful woman that interrupts the, the party. The text labels this woman an immoral sinner, uh, prostitute. But the truth is, both the woman and the Pharisee were sinners, just like all people are. And that becomes the point of this parable. All people have sinned, but only some recognize themselves as such. Only some come to the realization of the severity of being separated from God. Only some come to the point of realizing they're a sinner and respond to the gracious gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. So this story is not so much stressing to us this morning the amount as the awareness of our sin. For only those that are aware of their condition apart from Christ will ever respond to the free grace and salvation found in Christ. Only those that can really recognize their sinners and their guilty before God can really appreciate the salvation and the forgiveness that Jesus and only Jesus can give. You see, verse 42 tells us both people were bankrupt. They were both ultimately in the same condition. And they were both unable to pay the debt that they owed God. Now this story stresses gratitude for God's forgiveness. As we come into this season, this holiday, we celebrate and we give God thanks for the freedoms we have in the natural. We look back and thank God for those that paid the price that we could have this freedom. But we all know freedom isn't free. There must be a vigilance. But yet we go a little deeper and we look at the eternal things and we look at the spiritual things and we find out that gratitude... Gratitude towards Jesus Christ and the salvation that he gives you and I that none of us deserved, but all of us needed. Oh, but we recognize that number one, gratitude depends upon the awareness, the realization of the need we all have for the forgiveness of God. In just a little while, we're going to take communion. And really, communion is both remembering and giving thanks remembering, do this in remembrance, remember his love, remember the price he paid, remember how desperate we were that without his blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Remembering and giving thanks, the Eucharist, giving thanks. As we remember, we give him thanks for what he did. We give him thanks for how much he loved. Gratitude depends upon our awareness. Gratitude depends upon the awareness 
Not only of our need, but the inability we have in ourselves to meet that need. This is a problem I can't fix. I need God to fix it. Ah, this is a condition that the greatest medical minds cannot help with. Only God and the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ can fix this problem. That I'm a sinner and I need a savior. Men cannot earn their way to heaven. Men cannot produce this answer in themselves. And of course, as we give God praise this morning, our gratitude depends not only on the awareness of the need, not only on my inability to meet that need of myself, but on understanding the great price and the great love that it cost God to say to you and me this morning, thy sins are forgiven. Don't ever forget, it cost him much to be able to say those words to you and to me, and I'm glad he paid that price. Let us never stop appreciating and expressing that appreciation, that gratitude for all God's done. I don't know about you, but God's been good to me. God's been good and he's done so much. He's brought us a mighty long way. Has he not? Through many dangers, toils and snares, we have already come. His grace has brought us safe this far. His grace is going to lead us on. March on, Lord Jesus, march on. Oh, by the grace of God, may his praise continually be in our mouths and may we never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's been too good. He's done too much. Oh, don't let the those rocks cry out. Come on, say amen to that. It's our, we're the ones he saved. We're the ones he redeemed. And we're the ones that are going to give him a shout of praise. Glory to the king. Hallelujah. As believers that really love the Lord, thanksgiving and testimony. Two things that should always mark our lives. Thanksgiving unto God who's been so good. Amen. His mercies have been new every morning. Oh, great is our faithfulness. Thanksgiving and testimony. We're going to tell the world this is a good God and it's a great salvation. And God's done a whole bunch of my life and he'll do it for you if you let him. Hallelujah. The parable of two debtors. Now why Simon the Pharisee invited Jesus into his home for a meal? We don't really know. Maybe he was just curious. The Pharisees, they like to gather celebrities at their home and have important people over. And Jesus certainly was a popular teacher and miracle worker. Or perhaps maybe he just wanted to criticize, try to find fault. You know, the Pharisees did that from time to time. They tried to find something they could accuse Jesus of. But whatever his motive was, one thing is sure, things didn't go as he had planned. Come on, say amen. Amen. (laughs) You better watch out when you start toying with Jesus. Amen. You think you got him. Oh, he got you. Amen. You can't. No, no, not the Lord. Not the Lord. Now, see, the the custom of that day was... um, invited guests would, would lie on their left-hand side on cushions, lie, and they'd have their right hand to grab the food. And there'd be a small table, and most likely it was like in an outdoor courtyard setting. You know, like the front of the house might have like a little fence around it, and inside there's a fountain, and they'd sit and they would eat. And they would allow outsiders to watch. You know, when a, when a prominent rabbi was holding court, they allowed just the regular folks the common folks, to, to listen in and maybe get a pearl or maybe get a, 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 a nugget, you see. And, and so this kind of explains how she gets there. Now, her, her appearance, of course, is an embarrassment to, to the proud old Pharisee. But Jesus, again, he uses her interruption to teach you and I some very valuable lessons about forgiveness. 
Three things we want to cover this morning. Number one, we all need forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. And number two, forgiveness is a gracious gift from God. It's not something, a wage that I earn. It's not a prize that I merit. It's grace and mercy that I receive by receiving Jesus Christ. Amen? And number three, forgiveness results in a changed life. When you truly receive His forgiveness, your life is transformed, as we see in this lady. So number one, we we begin, we all need forgiveness. Now that's clearly Bible. The Bible is very clear. Romans 3 and 23 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not just some have sinned, not just some are terrible sinners, but all have sinned and all have fallen short. All are guilty before God. Humanity is under the same condition. We're sinners and we need a Savior. That's why he sent his son. Amen? But the good thing is, Romans 6 and 23 tells us that though the wages of sin is death, there's a gift from God. There's the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And though what we get is spiritual death, separation from God, if we reject his offer of forgiveness, but to those of us that will receive it, it's a free gift to those that will come and receive Christ. And it's eternal. It's an everlasting. You see, the Pharisee, And this immoral woman illustrate different kinds of sins. But also the fact that everybody does sin. And everybody needs a savior. They need the forgiveness that only God can bring. For example, you know there's sins of flesh and there's sins of spirit. There's sins that are attitudes and there's sins that are actions. Now Simon most likely wasn't guilty of this gross immorality. But he was still a sinner. Again, outward sins of the flesh, but also inward sins of the heart. Certainly the outward sins of immorality and the drunkenness and the stealing, etc. But there's inward sins of pride, jealousy, self-righteousness, unbelief, prejudice, hatred. Her sins were known. His sins were hidden from everyone except God. (laughs) Can't hide them from God. I never forget years ago in Chicago... We were youth assistant pastors, and it was a Sunday night service, and um, it was a big, good-sized auditorium, good-sized auditorium. So most of the Sunday night group is down in the center here, and in the back came one of the kids that would frequent the church, and, um, and he was sitting in the back, and he, he, this, he was a teenager, and, and he was into some of that magic trick, so he always had these cards, he had his fake thumb on him all the time, always had me, you know, pull off my fake thumb, he was doing his tricks with, but he's in the back there, Pastor Impagla, he's preaching away, and he's in the back, Aaron's in the back with his cards, and without missing a beat, Pastor Impagla, in the middle of his sermon, he just didn't even take a breath, Aaron, put those cards away right now, and without missing another beat, but before anyone in the front judges him, let me ask you, what's worse, being in the back with cards or in the front with jealousy and gossip and unforgiveness in your hearts? Boom. If anything, Pastor Impagli was a straight shooter, amen? I never forgot that. He didn't lose a breath. He thought that was planned. He did that so smoothly. But man, I'll tell you, before we were all saying, oh Lord, have mercy on me, amen? He could have taken an altar call right there in the middle of his sermon. And I think he would have got the whole group of us Sunday nighters. It was something else. You know, there's sins of the flesh and sins of the spirit. Sometimes we just tend to think those outward ones are the wicked ones. But God sees things differently, doesn't he? You know, there's also sins of commission and sins of omission. 
There are sins that we do, we commit. I stole it. But there's sins of omission, things we fail to do, things we neglect. God tells me to do this, and I don't do it. The Spirit's been telling me, and I haven't. I haven't forgiven. I haven't given. I haven't obeyed. You see, Simon knew what the woman had done, but forgot what he had not done. He had been rooted. These are common courtesies when you invite a rabbi over. You greet them with a kiss of respect. You have someone wash their feet because all the road's dusty in the, in the Middle East. They'd wash the feet. You'd give them a certain honor. He didn't do any of these things to Jesus. He, he neglected. He, he lacked respect for the Lord. He had no hospitality that, that properly should have been given to Jesus. Friend, don't ever neglect your Savior. Don't ever take for granted what he has done. Don't neglect him in your home. Don't neglect him when you're with your friends. Don't neglect him when it comes time to witnessing or living or serving. Now, this woman lived in terrible sin. But listen, she came out of it, praise God. You can come out of it. If you're hearing me, you can come out of that sin regardless of what it is. The power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is able to set you free and make you brand new. Whoever you are, wherever you are, he can break the hold of that sin. He can cleanse the transgression of that sin. He can wash you wider than snow. Oh, someone might have given up on you. I've got good news for someone. Jesus Christ loves you and he's able to cleanse you and free you and make you brand new. If you'll come, if you'll believe, if you'll give him your life, you'll never be the same. She came out of it. She might have had a terrible past, but praise God, she had a glorious future and a wonderful present because she was forgiven by God. But Simon now, the religious man. He was in a much more dangerous place because he was actually blind to his condition. He was unaware of his need. She was forgiven. He was in deception. He was held by a false sense of security. And you can see why straight, clear gospel preaching must wake people up from their slumber, must wake people up from their condition where so many think things are right, but they're not right. And God knows. This man thought all was well. And you know many religious people fall into this trap, don't they? It's easy for them to look at others and point their finger and say, that person's a sinner. They're terrible. They're this and that. But they never come to point to themselves and confess, but I'm a sinner. And I need a Savior. Jesus, save and forgive me. Growing up, I saw this clearly illustrated in those great Billy Graham crusades where they would have testimonies who you'd read in his Decision Magazine testimonies. And I was amazed how many times a person would give a testimony that they had lived a religious life. They've actually been part of the church. Some of them actually been deacons and different things in the church until finally they heard the gospel and they realized they'd never been born again. They realized that their confidence was just in their religion. That they were putting their confidence, not in Christ, but in what they thought was religious good works. They were deceived. 
And when they heard the gospel, they realized, here I am, a religious person serving in the church, but I've never been saved myself. I've never personally confessed my sins and put my faith in Christ. You see, it's not our good works that get us into heaven. It's the grace of God that comes through Christ. It's not just in changing a little this and a little that. No! It's only about giving myself fully to Christ and putting my faith in what he did on the cross. And from there, the grace and mercy of God flows eternally. There are sins of flesh and sins of spirit. There are sins of commission and sins of omission. If there's something you haven't done, get with it and do it in the name of the Lord. There's open sins and there's hidden sins. You know, everyone at the feast knew who this woman was and what she had done. Her sins were open. But only Jesus, who can read men's hearts, knew the sins in Simon's life. And let's face it, in the final judgment, doesn't matter what others see, doesn't even matter what I see, but it does matter what God sees. And friend, he sees it all. Somebody, he sees it all. No more hiding, no more hiding. Come clean and let him cleanse you. Hallelujah. This is the parable of the two debtors. Because both were in debt and bankrupt before God. Stressing, number one, our first point, we all need forgiveness. And we thank God this morning that forgiveness is available. We thank God this morning that God sent his son because he wants you forgiven and he wants you saved and he wants you to be made right with him. Praise his holy name. Number one, we all need forgiveness, but number two, forgiveness. Listen, it's a gracious gift from God. It's not a merit, something I earn. It's not a prize that I achieve. It's not a wage that I work for. No, 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 no. Forgiveness is the gracious gift of God. We read that in Romans 6 and 23, didn't we? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. The gift of God. God has a gift, and he wants to give it to all men. The gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. You know, number one, about this, this gift that God gives. It's unmerited, it's undeserved. Number one, number one, it's all of grace. It flows from the heart of God's desire to save whosoever will come. You know, we all should be familiar with Ephesians 2 and 8. If you're not, write it down, um, young Christians, and learn Ephesians 2 and 8. For by grace, we have been saved through faith, not of ourselves. It is a gift of God. And that's not, a gift is something you receive. You don't earn a gift. You don't work for a gift. A gift is just something... They freely give, but you got to receive it now. You see, forgiveness is a gift of God's grace. The debt was paid in full by Jesus Christ on the cross. He said, it is finished. Christ crucified. He paid it in full. The work of redemption has been completed once and for all. The just for the unjust to bring you and I to God. This is the grace of God. We're talking about this great gift of God's forgiveness. This freedom that we have. That we're no longer bound by condemnation or accusation. But now, because of the blood of Jesus, we're free to serve God. We're free to be the ones God called us and made us to be. We're free. 
Because of the grace of God. God's grace that chose to love us when he didn't have to love us. God's grace that chose to reach out to us and he found our hiding spot. And even though many of us ran and many of us rejected him, the grace of God kept coming. The grace of God kept calling. The mercy of God kept reaching. We're here today not because we found him but he found us. Not because we were so hungry for him but he loved us and desired us and he found us and he wouldn't let us go as any anyone glad they're saved this morning? Is anyone glad he came and found you this morning? Hallelujah. Grace that chose to die for us. Pay the price that we could never pay. Grace. See, this woman accepted. See, God's done his part. You got to do yours. God's done his part. How will you respond to what God has done? This woman accepted. God's free offer of salvation. And then she expressed her love openly. Simon rejected the offer, remained unforgiven. Now remember now, her love was not the basis, was not the basis of her forgiveness. Her love was the evidence or the result of her forgiveness. Let me say it again. Her love didn't earn her his forgiveness. Her love was not the basis of it. Her love was the evidence of it. Our lives and how you and I live should be the evidence, should be the fruit, the result of our forgiveness. I'm not here today trying to get God to forgive me. I'm here today because He did forgive me. He was merciful to me. He did send His Son to die for me. Somebody say amen. We're not here to earn His favor. We're here because in Jesus Christ He's given us amazing grace and favor her love her love was the evidence of her salvation it was the expression of her salvation like us we love him because he first loved us and our lives are a response to what he has done in our hearts and in our lives amazing grace how sweet the sound saved a wretch like me Today the Bible teaches the day of grace. Today is the day the Bible says that whoever will recognize and acknowledge their need of forgiveness can come to Jesus Christ and receive the only forgiveness that heaven accepts. Forgiveness that flows through faith in Christ and Him crucified. Wow. See, it's by grace, but it's received by faith. It's by grace. But that gift has to be received. The love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the cross of Christ will do a person no good unless they receive it and embrace it and personally accept it. So number one, we find out here, forgiveness is a gracious gift of God. It's all of grace. But secondly, it's received by faith. It has to be received. All her tears did not save her. Her awareness that she was a sinner, it didn't save her. I know a lot of people, they know they're sinners. You don't got to debate too much. They know they're sinners, amen? They got no doubt about it. They'll freely confess, but they're not willing to receive his forgiveness. All her tears didn't save her. The awareness that she was a sinner. Listen, listen, even Christ's love alone did not save her. 
You see, a careless reading of verse 47 gives a false impression. But nobody is saved completely by God's love. They're not saved by the love of God because God loves the whole world. And how many know the whole world's not getting saved? The whole world's not saved. See. What did we read earlier? We are saved by grace through faith. God's grace is his offering of the gift of his son shed blood and forgiveness. Your faith is the response of believing that and giving your life to him. Faith is saved. Grace God initiated it. God paid the price. God offers it. Whosoever will. He don't care what you look like. He don't care how bad your past has been. He freely offers it to all. But it'll do a person no good unless they receive it personally and sincerely. That's our faith. That's the response. Faith and action word. You see, again, verse 50 tells us clearly, does it not? Jesus said, it was this woman's faith that saved her. Jesus said, your faith saved you. She heard God's word. She responded to God's invitation. She trusted Christ, turned from her sin, and received that full, complete forgiveness. Friend, there's no other way. There's no other way. We're talking here about the forgiveness of God that is a gracious gift of God. It's all of grace, but we receive it by faith. I want to encourage you to receive it today. You've thought about it long enough. Receive it. You've you thought about Receive it. Maybe you've never received it because you thought things were okay, but you were religious. It's not enough to be religious. You've got to get saved. You've got to come to Jesus. Only through Christ can you be forgiven and made right with God. It's all of grace. It's received by faith. And listen, this forgiveness, don't ever forget, it's costly. It's costly. You see, in this story, the creditor took the loss for both of them. They were both bankrupt. And he had to pay the price for both debts. Salvation is free, but it's not cheap. How many can say amen? It cost Jesus Christ his life, his death on the cross. I doubt very much if anyone at that banquet knew how much it cost for Jesus to say to that woman, just like he says to you and me, thy sins be forgiven. Wow. The parable of two debtors. Number one, we all need forgiveness. Number two, forgiveness is available. It's a gracious gift from God. That's why he sent his son, because he loves you and doesn't want you to die in your sin. Doesn't want you to be tormented by that sin, but he wants you to be his son. He wants you to be his daughter. He wants you to enjoy cleansing and forgiveness in a right standing with the living God. But thirdly, forgiveness results, and we see it so beautifully in the life of this woman. Forgiveness results in a changed life, a changed nature, a changed allegiance, a changed lifestyle is the proof. The woman's faith in Christ changed her, changed her. Second Corinthians 5 and 17 gives us a description of a person that's truly saved. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, 
all things have become new. Does this describe your Christian experience? If it doesn't, you might not have the real thing. Might have been one of them false positive deals. You know what I'm saying? You might have went through some motion. You might have got a little shake. You might have shed a little tear. But if there's not a change, there hasn't been any new life deposited. This life of God erupts. This life of God transforms. This life of God is not a bondo deal. We're not bondoing the car. It makes you a new creature. It gives you a new passion. It gives you a new joy. It gives you a new lifestyle as you strive to please Him and love Him and express that love. Not to earn it, but because of it. Somebody say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't ever forget true faith cannot be hidden. True faith. Because true faith in Christ transforms a life. What a wonderful change in my wife, in my life, I mean, in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. Woo! And if you haven't got a change, he's not in there. Because he brings a change, amen? He brings a change. Tell your neighbor, he brings a change. And you better believe it, he brings a change. The things you used to do, you don't do anymore. There's been a change. True faith produces a changed life. True faith shows itself as it expresses love and worship and obedience to Christ. A lifestyle that is different. When you're saved. People will know it. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, they might not always understand it. They might not always appreciate it. But they'll know something happened to him. Amen? Isn't that right? They might think you went off the deep end. They might think your religion finally got you got you wacky a bit. But they might not understand it. But one thing they'll know, they're not the same. They might not like it, but they can't deny it. They're not the same. Like the Apostle Paul answered his critics, he had critics. They thought he was beside himself. They thought all that religion had gone to his head. They they thought he he had snapped somewhere in there, all all that deep thinking to Paul. But Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, No, 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 I'm not crazy, but the love of Christ compels me. This great love, this great salvation, this forgiveness, it's changed me, it motivates me, it excites me. The reality that I was so lost, but God has been so good and God loved me and God saved me. That thing messed me up, man. It just did something to me. It's changed how I walk. It's changed how I talk. It's changed how I think. It's changed how I live. The realization, you know, back in the day, we used to say, that person's on fire. Anybody remember? That person's on fire. We need more fires and less icicles in the house of God. But anyway, another sermon for another day. Well, we used to say, on fire, that, that means that person is passionate for the Lord. That person is enthusiastic for the things of God. That person has a zeal for Jesus. That's a person that got it. They got it. They understood how great He is and how lost they were and they have to express it. They can't hold it in. Somebody say amen. Mm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I want you to note three things about this lady that we can clearly see that salvation brought into her life to change, to change. Number one, she had a new love. She had a new love. Jesus spoke about her great love. That love was expressed. That love, that love. A love for Christ. A love for Christ. 
is evidence of forgiveness. If you don't love Jesus, you don't got it. Come on, say amen to me. Isn't that right? It's all about Jesus. All about Jesus. Churches can come and go. Preachers can come and go. All about Jesus. Amen? One day we won't stand before a pope, a bishop, uh, Springfield. Oh, no, we're going to stand before Jesus. Amen? It's all about Jesus. And he is good. Woo! He is worthy. That's why we're here today. Because we love Jesus. He first loved us. And in return, we're loving him back. Amen? That's why we come out. Well, we're not bound. We're not legalistic. This is love. This is love on display. Amen. He's been so good. I want to sing about it. He's been so good. I want to shout it. He's been so good that when, when the old body works with me, I don't mind hopping a little bit. Amen. Amen. Uh, and in a few weeks, I'm going to get back to lifting both hands. Now I got to go one side. I'm lopsided. But that's all right. I'll praise him with the one good one I got. Love the Lord. Love the Lord. You think about it now. People were watching this. People were watching it. Some were embarrassed. Some were insulted. You know that devil's crowd, they don't give a hoot about their slop and how bold they are for their perversion and everything else. It's about time we get a little more bold for Jesus. That's what I'm saying. Amen. And he's worthy of it. I'm trying to tell you he's worthy. Amen. Let me get back to my notes. I get off. People were watching. But she kept kissing. She kept pouring. She kept weeping. She kept loving. Oh, no. No rocks are going to cry out on our watch. Come on, say amen. No, no, no. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel. If anyone's going to be ashamed, let the devil's crowd be ashamed. God displayed his love for us openly, did he not? then why should we be timid and ashamed about openly showing our love to him? Her tears, the perfume, all expressions of her love, her joy, her gratitude for the mercy and grace and the forgiveness that came through Christ. She had not received a cheap forgiveness. She would not bring cheap worship. Mm. He is worthy of our very best. And you say amen. There was a new love. When you really get saved, I mean when you really get born again, you're going to love Jesus. Because the church won't save you. Men don't save you. Our good works, it's all Jesus. And when you have the realization of how completely lost we were, completely unable to save ourselves, but Jesus loved us so much that he went on that. Every sin that I should have got punished for, he got punished for me. Every wicked thing I did that deserved punishment from a holy God, Jesus took upon himself. And when we realize that, you love this Jesus. Amen. You can't help but love him, this Jesus. And you don't care who knows about it. There was a new love and there was a new freedom. You know, so often in the world, they try to use what they call freedom and it just brings them into deeper bondage. It brings them into greater shame. You see, it brings them into regret. I see many of people, they didn't start out a drug addict. But you abuse your freedom long enough and you become a slave. Uh But the freedom you find in Jesus Christ, it is good, it is good, it is good all the time. Come on, say amen. 
Yeah, yeah, freedom from that old thing, freedom from the corruption of this world, freedom from the things that brought shame and embarrassment to our lives, freedom from the things that want to harm us, and then freedom to become what we were called and created to be from the beginning. A new love and a new freedom. Her forgiveness brought her freedom. She was bound. She was a slave to immoral sin. She was ashamed of that life. She was condemned. But now, because of Jesus, she's free from that. She's accepted by God. She's cleansed and he remembers her sins no more. And he's the only one that matters. She got a new start, a new life, a freedom from sin's power and penalty because of the blood, because of the blood, because of the freedom and forgiveness in Christ. No more shame or guilt. She was changed. And when a person truly receives the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ, they should have a new love, a love for Christ. And they're not afraid to express it. It's a natural thing. They get a new freedom. Freedom from those things that were trying to destroy them and corrupt them and a freedom to be the one God's made them to be. Hallelujah. Lastly, she got a new peace. Look at that last, very last verse. Jesus said, woman, your faith has saved you. Go in your peace. Go in peace. You know, the assurance of forgiveness gives us peace, doesn't it? When you know that you know God's forgiven you. Number one, we get a peace with God. Our standing now, we're sons. He's not going to condemn us. We're not at odds with God. We're right with God because of the forgiveness that Christ brings. There's a peace with God, but then there's the peace of God. Because when you really know he's forgiven you and you're living right, in your heart is a great peace. God doesn't remember the past. He's washed it. And in my heart, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? Hallelujah. Let's take some communion. Let's thank God for the wonderful forgiveness that we have. I mean, we have a great freedom in the natural in this country. We got a greater freedom through Jesus Christ in the forgiveness of our sins and our reconciliation with God. Amen? I wanted you to remember our sermon title is The Parable of two debtors or appreciating the forgiveness that we have. So as we start communion, I want you to remember, number one, that God's forgiveness is not automatic. Whoever wants it can receive it if they'll receive Christ and leave their sin. Whoever wants it can come and God will freely give it if you put your faith in Christ and give him your life. But it won't automatically come on you just because God loves you. We have to respond to that love. We have to receive the gift. It's a free gift. We have to receive it. So remember, God's forgiveness is not automatic. We can reject his grace if we want to. But let's not do that. Let's not do that. If you're here today, even before we take the communion, if you're not right with God, make things right even now. Right there, if you mean business, you can bow your head and say, Lord, forgive me. Maybe you're here today and you've been religious and a morally nice person, but you never asked Christ into your heart and been born again. Do it now. Put your faith in Christ. It's the only faith that'll last. Or maybe you're here today and you know, you just haven't been doing what you should be doing. Well, before you take communion, say, Lord, forgive me. I'm going to make things right. I want to make it right. Amen? Amen.
the Bible tells us, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen. Has everybody got their wafer? The body of Christ that he gave for you and I. Oh, the body of Jesus. He offered himself to receive the stripes that you and I deserved. Isn't it great that he took our place? Isn't it wonderful that he stepped in and he said, no, judge me. Let them be forgiven. Pastor Todd, if you could lift your voice from the back and just thank him for his body given to us. take together with thankful hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, for taking those stripes for us, for offering your body in our place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And then the Bible says in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's remember his great love this morning. Let's remember how undeserving we were of that great love. Amen? Let's recognize that there's nothing that we could ever do to earn our own forgiveness. But Jesus shed his blood so you and I could be completely forgiven and made right with God. So again... This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. David Clee, would you mind thanking the Lord for his shed blood? Let's partake together with thankful hearts. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, folks, as we close our service, if you need prayer, please come and someone will pray with you. If not, if we can just sing this last song as an expression of grateful thankful hearts for all that he's done he loved us he looked beyond our faults and he saw our needs and he gave